Today's pod is brought to you by Waterfront Comics, located at 609 Main Street, Sassoon City, California. Open every day from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. So if you're looking for a gift for an avid comic book reader or a collectible for a friend, come to Waterfront Comics. John is the guy to see. And if you can't come in person, no worries. Waterfront Comics does ship to home via their email, waterfrontcomics at gmail.com. Hey everybody, this is James and Marco and Nabil and this is the Movie Pals podcast, podcast number 30. Today we are going to be going over what we've been watching, um, a update on Cinemia by Marco and I, followed by a topic of the week brought to you by Marco and then the review of the new comedy The Happy Time Murders. Let's move on to what we've been watching. Hey, what you watching? All right, let's get into it. We'll go with uh, James today. What have you been watching? So, unlike last time, I remember all the movies I've seen this time. Yes. <laughs> so, and I've seen a few of them with you, but all these three, none of you saw these with me, actually. Sad oh. face. So why even bring it up? I don't know. I, just, I mean, we saw movies together, as you guys will hear about. Uh, well, that's the pot, bit. everyone. So, <laughs> <laughs> James explaining himself. Yeah, but I mean, we we're friends. We're actually, we are quote unquote movie pals, but... <laughs> Um, some more so than others. Just kidding. Um, I saw three films I want to talk about. Blind Spotting was mm. the first one I saw. So that is the movie by Carlos Lopez Estrada. It takes place in Oakland. It's about a young man named Colin who uh, he's on probation. He's a young black man and he begins to kind of reevaluate his friendship with his friend Miles, played by Raphael Kazel. Uh, and um, I absolutely love this movie. It's a movie about a guy that witnesses something in the beginning as well, which is kind of up to date with things that are going on now. Some police brutality, but he's also trying to stay on the low because he's so close to getting out of probation. And if he messes up, he's going to go back to prison. And he's kind of constantly trying to prove himself to like his ex-girlfriend, to his friends. And then it's really like a movie about like self-identity and kind of figuring yourself out and the kind of society's view on like a young young black man, yeah, especially, excuse me, in like Oakland per se. Um, I love like the lingo of it all. It's all very Bay Area. I'm not from Oakland, but I've been to Oakland plenty of times, and I've grown up around the area, so a lot of this was very familiar. A lot of familiar sights, sounds, and I thought it was a good mix of like comedy and drama. So overall, this movie just super worked. It's actually probably like my favorite film of the year so far. Oh wow! Yeah, it's def- it's definitely great love letter to the bay area uh oakland specifically and i'm just chiming in right now because i saw the movie as well just recently over the weekend and i loved it too i i I thought it was amazing and i agree that it's very socially aware that it also uses a lot of bay area lingo that we're all very familiar and we're attached to it but it goes beyond that and like you said james like the whole uh i finding your identity part of it and how the character of Colin, his arc from the beginning to the end is just so pure and true. I yeah. just really, it's even that like uh, identity of the city of Oakland itself, since it, it's 
a lot of gentrification going on with like people from outside and like quote unquote implants going in to the city and kind of changing the identity of the city too. Mm-hmm. It works really well in that aspect too, which is something I've even witnessed firsthand. So it's it's uh, yeah, it goes a lot deeper than what's shown in in the trailer or or even like as at face value as you're watching the film. Uh, I think the, uh, the the writing and the directing did a good job at making all these like social issues very complicated. There's not just one answer for everything, and the movie did a good job at at showcasing that. And that's one of the things that you take to heart watching this movie. It's it's just it's fantastic, and I think it's a must watch. I also saw the film You Were Never Really Here, which is directed by Lynn Ramsey, who did um, We Need to Talk About Kevin back in 2011. Um, this is about, it stars Joaquin Phoenix. He's a guy named Joe. He's like a traumatized war veteran, basically. Uh, his job is to find like missing girls, which sounds kind of weird, but it's like girls that were either kidnapped or taken into like as a sex slave or like a human trafficking. That sounds like a, a difficult job to have. Yeah, basically... He's kind of like shell shocked. He was in the military. He saw like horrors in the military. He was in the FBI. He there was this, he's had like the worst life possible leading up to this, and he's very suicidal. And several times in the movie, he's like trying to kill himself. Gosh. And it's in that Joaquin Phoenix way mm. where it's like, oh shit, this is sounds weird. joyful, James. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, this is not a pick me up film, by the way. This one is depressing as fuck. Anyway, so a job goes wrong one day, and basically his nightmares start to kind of overtake him in a way. And it's hard to distinguish if he's in reality or not. And he's basically it. The whole movie is leading into an, uh, it's like a story about like if this journey is going to be his death or like his awakening. So it's crazy that way. So it's super violent. Um, if you're not into over the top, like unfiltered gore, I'd say probably step away from this one. As James looks directly at me. I mean, <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> maybe, maybe we keep the bill away from this one. <laughs> it's really well acted, though. It's a bit on the slower side, I'd say, because the pacing of the film is definitely a, a lot of things in his head. And even like when you do get action scenes, I, I, I kind of relate them closer to the action sequences in like a Jason Bourne movie. So it's a lot more realistic over like not like crazy fancy like it's not like a james bond film where it's like crazy fancy with explosions it's kind of like him like choking a dude out and stabbing a guy in the throat and it's just quiet and that's all you hear is like gurgling of blood okay. <laughs> so and then his feet very detailed yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah but overall i really did enjoy it actually so i would recommend taking a look at it that one um it's an amazon movie so it's more than likely gonna be on prime soon it's not on prime yet but um more likely it will be. So when it does, I would recommend checking that one out. Sounds good. Uh, lastly, I watched Black Klansman, the new uh, Spike Lee joint uh, that is about the true story of a uh, detective, a black tech detective back in the late 60s, early 70s. I'm not quite sure about the date again there. His name is Ron Stallworth. It's played by John David Washington. That's uh, Denzel Washington's son. And basically he infiltrates the Ku Klux Klan he uh, starts working at Colorado Springs, and he infiltrates the uh, Colorado Springs uh, like uh, club, I guess they call it. I think it's a club organization or chapter because they are like an official group, which is right. weird. Yeah. And he does it by calling the uh, them directly and kind of pretending he's white. It's very much like a funnier version of the Chappelle skit, like a non-funny version of the Chappelle skit. Hmm. 
kind of. Is the, uh, that's what I was thinking of when I saw the trailer, and I was like, oh man, it's like that skit from the Chappelle show. And so basically what happens is that another detective, a white detective named Flip Zimmerman, played by um, Adam Driver, basically goes as Ron Stallworth to kind of find out what's going on because he's like the face of it, while Ron is the actual like voice and thoughts, and he's the main detective in charge of it all. Really good movie. It has funny moments. There's a lot of drama. Um... There's a lot. It's a good message that even resonates with like things going on today. Obviously, even Tover Grace, by the way, plays David Duke, who's like the Grand Dragon Master, what the fuck they are, of like the leader of the Ku Klux Klan. But it's supposed to be like a political point, so he's like the president or whatever. All right. So he does really good in there, and everything works really well overall. It's just that, unfortunately, like I was telling you guys before this, I don't think Spike Lee knows how to end his films too well. Did he uh, pull Lord of the Rings and just have, like, multiple endings? Yeah, he did. I mean, it ends to a point, like, there's no, like, obviously it works, because we wouldn't have a story if it didn't work, right? And it ends on a point where it's like, he had four different endings to the movie, and it's like, I don't know which one. Throw them all in. Fuck it, right? He's like, first time I've had an audience in 25 years. (laughs) No. (laughs) We're we're not going to have a special edition. Since Inside Man, 13 years ago, right, or whatever. So good movie, yeah. Uh, yeah so that's probably his With last Denzel, good movie. Truthfully, yeah, I think that was Spike Lee's last good. This is his best film since then, which isn't saying much because truthfully, a lot of his, Spike Lee's indie films since then have been. Mm. I think it ends like at a point where it's like, okay, it ends. We get a good ending, then we get like an ending that's kind of like a Hollywood ending, and then we get like a breakup scene, and then we get a black exploitation scene, and then we get like a super well shot shot, and then we get live documentary. Wait, and I was like, wait, man, wait, wait. was that six endings? He splices in literally different endings to this movie. I mean, no, they technically take place after each other, but it's like, dude, you should have stopped, stopped there. You should have stopped, stopped three blocks there. back, kind of thing, you know? Oh, wow. Jeez. And I feel like the last 15 could have been edited somewhat differently. Check my Facebook out. I kind of actually wrote down like a review of like how I would have ended it so it wouldn't offend people still. <laughs> and uh, I don't want to spoil it. So, but overall, I still think it's a solid film. Spike Lee's best movie in the last 10 years, so uh, definitely give a look at it. Especially no, if you liked like Blind Spotting or Sorry to Bother You. These almost kind of complement each other. Yeah, I was going to say like those three movies seem like the three that are, are must-watch this year. I've heard really good things about Black Klansman, so it's it's one. I'm actually going to watch it tomorrow. Look at that. Nice. nice. Yeah. Um, those three are definitely ones that I want to catch in theaters, and if any of you get a chance, the pals are telling you, go watch them. Uh, Nabil, what about you? What have you been watching? Uh, not as uh, current in some of the films that uh, you've been watching, James. Um, but uh, I watched a classic recently. Uh, my wife is introducing me to some of the uh, the more Silver Age uh, films that I've missed. Um, and what I watched was An Affair to Remember. This is set in, uh, or this was made in 1957. Old school. Yeah. Uh, way before anything I can ever remember. <laughs> I definitely was not born during this time. Mar- Mark was not as old as he oh, sounds. Yeah, yeah right? <laughs> <laughs> All the other times, like, back in my time. <laughs> exactly. I remember when they were just plays. <laughs> this film starred huh? Terry Grant and Deborah Kerr. Um, and it's it's a, a, what we call now, like a kind of like a classic love story. Uh, it's a couple falls in love and they agree to meet in six months um, at the Empire State Building. But the question is, is whether or not it'll happen. And how it ends up, how it starts is that they're on a cruise ship together. Cary Grant's character is kind of an affluent playboy, ladies' man. Um, Deborah Kerr is a bit more reserved. 
and she's a singer and Cary Grant's character is getting married um, but they're on this cruise ship getting to their uh, destination in New York and they kind of just kind of fall for each other um, on this plane on the ship yep and when they get off, they, they make that promise of saying, we'll see what happens in six months if we can meet at the Empire State Building. And I'm going to spoil this movie because it is quite old. And um, I apologize for anybody who still hasn't seen it and that wants to. Um, but I'll tell you that first. I don't part mind of the if movie, you spoil it, Nabil. Yeah. I've never seen it, but that's okay. I'm going to spoil it for you, Marco. Just Go so for you it. Know. Whoa, 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 whoa. The beginning, the beginning half of the film, I wasn't too into. Like it was, it's a sappy love story. They're playing kind of coy. I'm like, okay, we'll see. Was it? The, see. Was it? I want to guess. Was it from the car accident on? You were like, yeah, yes. Things change. So there's a, <laughs> there's a car accident that kind of changes the whole tone of the film, really, and it goes from like a, a sappy romantic love story to like a oh my god, what the heck is going on? Where this, you know, it, it's a drama essentially, which and- is funny because so many um, romance films of especially like the '90s and 2000s borrow so much from like this exact movie of like the oh true love will find its way or yeah. like uh, like I think Serendipity, the movie Serendipity, is almost a modern day remake of this movie. Oh really? Almost no. Because like it's like oh if it happens it happens kind of thing and right. like if it, we if we end up back together we end up back together it's like this it's a very similar, similar concept. Film, yeah. Sorry, I just had to drop that John no, Cusack knowledge. That's that that makes sense um, because that's kind of how that was leading up. But they show you how everything essentially plays out, and then they show you a Deborah Kerr's character gets into a car accident and she doesn't want to meet with Cary Grant until she's kind of fully at full strength and and healthy and is able to to uh, approach him herself. And so it's like a year almost, and they don't see each other. They're kind of in hiding, and they eventually see each other in passing. And so it shows a lot of pride and you with uh, Deborah Kerr's character, and you feel very frustrated with her. It's <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> tell him. Tell him what why you can't see him, what's going on. like Because they are obviously still in love with each other, and there's a lot of tension, and they're both suffering because of it. So it's, it was a very interesting uh, twist in the in what I didn't expect to happen at all, um, and especially how it ended, where there was the the ending scene. Essentially, she's about to let him leave, but something happens, and he realizes what's going on. But they they have a small interaction, and it's frustrating because it's like if he didn't have this realization, he would have walked out the door and never came back, and she was just gonna let that happen. And um, I really thought it was a really well done movie at, up to that point. Again. Oh, yeah. When I started watching it, I was like, uh, "Okay, this is. I guess this is maybe new for the '50s." But then, as it started, um, it seems like something that, like what James is saying, other like similar romance movies had borrowed before. Because right. I, I can kind of see from what you're saying, I was like, "Okay, I've seen this this trope in other similar romance movies." Right. So, very good movie and uh, definitely uh, worth a watch for anybody. Even though I spoiled uh, some of the big parts of the film, I still think it's uh, worth watching. And I I was able to see that on Amazon. I mean, like, Cary Grant is probably one of my favorite older actors, too. Uh, North by Northwest is probably my favorite Alfred Hitchcock film. So, he made that uh, two years after Affair to Remember. So, this was at, like, his peak of his stardom, too. Yeah, and a very charismatic guy. You know, oh, yeah. They sh- they, he's, he's doing a lot of character work. I mean, he's speaking he's so French. He's very, yeah, like, you want to hate the guy because he's a, he's a womanizer and is, you know, he's hitting on his He's the Don ladies. Draper of fucking... <laughs> well, that, that, that's how things were back there. Obviously, we're a different society now, or at least we're trying to be, but... Yeah, that's, I guess that was the norm back there. Yeah. The other film that I saw, which was new, was Crazy Rich Asians. Uh, that stars 
Constance Wu, who um, is on that show Fresh Off the Boat yeah. on uh, ABC, I think, and Henry Golding, who's who's relatively new to acting. Um, the story is a contemporary romantic comedy. It's based off of a, a big global bestseller, and it follows a uh, native New Yorker, which is Rachel Chu, starring uh, Constance Wu. And they're going to Singapore to meet her boyfriend's family. And that is the essentially the gist of the whole film premise right there. Yeah. Um, but the difference is is that the it's it's very much about the culture that they're going into. They're they're visiting a Chinese family culture, traditional Chinese family. Um, Constant Wu's boyfriend is very rich, and she didn't really know that. As the premise, as is in the premise, crazy rich, crazy rich, Um, and so she's trying to get involved with this family and and have them like her. And there's a lot of uphill battle. Of course, it's it's kind of similar in some romantic comedies where the boyfriend's friends and other girls that might have liked him are trying to kind of set set her up to fail. The family isn't really a big fan because she's an outsider, and she's in this case a Western Chinese American and not really a native Chinese American. And so there's that family dynamic about tradition and honor and family that they feel that she doesn't understand. Um, the film in that sense, it's a good romantic comedy. Um, one thing that I did like was that it is very Asian. It is, it is, there is no, you know, Western kind of influence in it. It's really focused on Asian culture, Asian, Asian tradition, and it's refreshing. It's not something you get to see very often. Oh, interesting. And and it's all kind of fills into that world. Like you're you're immersed into that culture and in, in, essentially there in Singapore, but you get to see a different side of of kind of a different culture, a different way of life, and understanding why it's important to them and what they do. And um, you also get because you get Rachel uh, Wu, she's the Westerner, but still of that culture, but still an outsider. So you're getting it from her. Sp- perspective as well and seeing how different they are being a chinese american versus you know an actual native-born chinese uh person so very very interesting take on it and i honestly liked it more than i thought i would because of that yeah i I hear good things about that one too i mean the fact that it's doing really well the box office says a lot and it seems that it's something that like hollywood should be doing more and doing instead of just always showing us like western cultures like showing us that hey we are like a global economy now it's be nice to see something fresh and new to kind of differentiate movies out there so yeah uh, my girlfriend saw it and she really liked it too so and uh speaking of which they on like netflix tried to buy this show from the director oh, really? and uh, or the author and basically they shot it down because they wanted to give it a bigger release yeah because they were going to turn it into like a series and uh i've it obviously paid off because the last two weeks it's been number one in the box office so that's really good to see yeah, definitely um, a good change of pace um, as far as films are concerned. And even with that, and we had Black Panther this year as well, kind of shows you that we're, we're able to, to make different types of films with different cultures involved. And, that can and be successful. Make money. Isn't it weird yeah. that Black Panther came out this year? All right. It feels like so I long I feel like ago. it was two years ago. Yeah. Dude, right? <laughs> Especially after Infinity War coming out. I mean, that just, anyway. Ages sorry, ago, right? Man. Yeah. Sorry, Crazy Rich Asians. We had to bring up Marvel superheroes. <laughs> sorry, guys. <laughs> Uh, what about you, Marco? What have you been watching? I've been watching quite a few things. Some that you guys have actually recommended. I'll, so I'll just go down a lightning round real quick and just mention them. I like it. I know, right? <laughs> giving uh, giving the pals some love. Uh, I've I've been watching uh, the new Hulu show, Castle Rock, that James mentioned in our last episode. And? Uh, i got to say, I've been liking it. 
How um how many episodes are you in right now? I just finished the fourth episode. Okay. And it's batshit crazy. Yeah. Uh, I still, I mean, I have a gist as to what's going on, and I'm gonna try not to spoil this for anybody because it's it's still brand new, but it it, it still kind of leaves you kind of like. It's hard to describe, like, like yeah. I said last time. Yeah, it leaves it's you hard, out wondering. It's, it's hard to describe what the show is even about. Right, exactly. Ruining it. But, I mean, I think James did a good job at describing the gist of the show without giving away too much. And even it, then, I was all over the place. Yeah, you, yeah. Were, you were. But just really quick, just a, a strange man is found inside Shawshank Prison in the city of Castle Rock. And this attorney is called out to figure out what the mystery is because everyone's trying to hide it for some reason and there's an even bigger mystery behind that so yeah basically what james said last time i would recommend it to anybody who is a fan of stephen king's work because they do a lot of shout outs to many of his works like cujo the shining um it shawshank redemption obviously just so many different uh representations of Stephen King's work because this is an original series. It's it's based off of book Stephen King's books, but it's not based off a specific one. So that makes it interesting and leaves you kind of guessing as to where they're going to go, especially because it's a miniseries. So it's just going to last this short one season. Yeah. So um, 10 episodes, I think. And I think seven just came out. Yeah. Seven did just come out this last week. Wednesday. Yeah. Um, and I will tell you this much. I finally know what the show's about. After oh. watching it. I, you know what? Seven, I, yeah. It tells you what the show's finally about. I, I just heard the same. Yeah. Like one of my friends just told me, tell me when you get to seven and when you finish it. Yeah. So apparently you have to just be patient and it's going to be worth the payoff is from what I hear. Oh, yeah. But the performances are really good and I, I'm enjoying it. If you were a fan of 11 which was the other Stephen King work that yeah. Hulu adapted, I'd say this is for you. Yeah. And I will say... Uh, just as a, a side note on that, episode seven was like beautiful. I tweeted Ooh. about it. Like it, it's the best episode so far. I see. It's I just read the like really the very good. first part of your tweet, and I instantly like just checked out. So I was like, yeah. no, 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 I don't want to know. I don't want to know anything because it's, it's like pretty it's good. It's great. So yeah. Uh, other show I've been watching is one recommended by Nabil. It's called Sharp Objects, and it's an HBO original. It stars Amy Adams, and it's basically about a reporter coming back to her hometown to investigate uh, a series of murders involving uh, young girls. And like Nabil mentioned also, it is pretty damn fucking gritty. Oh, yeah. Very dark. And the series just ended um, this last weekend, and... Yeah, it just it gets darker and darker each episode. But I can't stop watching it. It's it's yeah. just seeing Amy Adams's character uh, Camille just kind of that is her name, right? Yes. I didn't even freaking look it up. Right. But yeah, seeing Camille just going down this downward spiral in just this one episode and just drowning her sorrows in alcohol. She's a freaking alcoholic in mm-hmm. the show, uh, and that's not really a spoiler because you get that from the get go and. Um, in just that one episode, I've pretty much been attached to the show, and I'm interested to see where they're going to go for the remaining, was it six, seven episodes? Yeah, seven more episodes. Yeah. Um, but if you're into that really kind of dark uh, mysteries, then this is probably for you. Like, if you like the first season of True Detective, 
this is probably for you because there, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of mystery in this one as well too. I don't want to repeat what I said about Castle Rock, but this show also has a lot of mystery. You can tell that there's more to Amy Adams's character and her past, and little tidbits are revealed more and more, and you just see just how fucked up she is inside. And um, I know that's not <laughs> that's not really a a, a, a joyful description of the show but it is interesting it is really well done and it's well acted so it's a compelling watch like it it, i'm as you know like i'm not into a lot of kind of gory or 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 sometimes even too dark films and shows but which is why i'm really into the show yeah i mean it it captured my attention like i i needed to see what was going on next and what was going to happen and i'll tell you this each episode brings another uh, layer of the mystery and you really don't get an answer uh, until the last seconds of the show uh, other thing I've been watching is uh, Better Call Saul season f- three, four, I believe it is. I don't remember either. Four on Fuck. FX <laughs> or AMC. I'm sorry. Yeah, season four. four. It's four. I gotta yeah. say it's four. I think yeah. so too. I swear we know what we're talking. They about. They all blend spot. together. Like I yeah. said last time, it's they three on Netflix. Well, right dude, now. It, like I mentioned like last week, the show is so good that it's hard to believe that it came out that long ago. Yeah, and I, I, I can't. I stress enough how good this show is. I've mentioned it before also. And if you're a fan of Breaking Bad, then this show's for you. Uh, if you're a fan of Bob Odenkirk, who plays Saul, or in this case, uh, Jimmy, then this show is also for you. If you like to see shady lawyers do shady shit, then this show's <laughs> for you. But ultimately, the show's written well. The the reveal as to how Jimmy delves deeper into the character of Saul Goodman and what leads to to that eventuality is actually pretty good. And if you actually have access to AMC, then I suggest you watch it and catch up. Yeah, definitely. But that's pretty much all I've been watching. Just a bunch of stuff that we've all talked about and... Briefly mentioned in the last few episodes, I've been a little bit more behind than these guys, so I will definitely catch you guys up in the next episode. Okay, let's move on to what's in the news. What's in the news? Okay, so last uh, podcast, we told you guys about the, I guess, like the inevitable death of MoviePass, which used to be, uh, you know, RIP, our favorite movie yeah. subscription service at the time but until they fucking burned us i mean the constant changes every week the um lowering of not seeing a movie every day to just three a month and then um just kind of some kind of some shady stuff i feel. I mean it's not something we didn't see coming it's just the fact that they didn't plan for it ahead of time you know i guess and i mean we just, the writing was on the wall i think too from something yeah. like that since then though we told you guys last time we would give you an update when we tried our new MoviePass-like service, Cinemia. So uh, Marco and I have tried it out. Uh, Marco, uh, let's start with you. Just, just, just kind of be a quick one here, just as an update. Well, how are you liking it? I'm 50-50 on it. I, I like it. It's not as easy to use. It's not as fluid as uh, other services like uh, MoviePass. And I've also used the Cinemark club as well too you have to go from basically like how james said last time you got you kind of have to switch from one app to another in order to use it if that makes sense so if you're buying an advanced ticket you have to use either adam or fandango still and then 
Cinemia throws you a fake credit, card, fake credit card number that you then input on there, and you got to do it every time. You also still have to check in at the movie theater when you go see the movie. Which it doesn't remind you of. And yes. something that it, is easily something that doesn't happen because i just right passed. and they'll they'll they said they'll ding you if you don't check in but it's their their little reminders on their apps are just horrible like one reminder came to me two hours after i saw the movie like, hey, and it way. still had the two hour time frame from before the movie to check in and i was looking at it like gee that would have been useful before i started yeah. watching the movie so um I guess one of the benefits, though, of using a third-party app to buy the tickets is like Adam Tickets, for instance, um, will give you a free movie after every four or five purchases. So in a way, you're getting another free movie out of it. Uh, and Fandango gives you points toward their Fandango VIPs, which can give you discounts on future tickets as well, or even like movie rentals off of Fandango now. You can earn exclusives too, like uh, little mini posters for movies yeah. if you go see it in IMAX uh, or 3D. So that's also pretty cool. So, I mean, it's hit or miss on it. Um, I used all three already. Same. Since the last time. Just kind of <laughs> so I got to wait till September 11th now. And I mean, it doesn't even tell you when your thing's up unless you log into the full website. So the app itself is very limited. Um, and also, after contacting the services themselves, I wanted to know if my price was locked in because I didn't pay for the, uh, the annual one, which I think if I was to do it, that'd probably be the way to go to at least ensure that you have 12 months straight of it. Locked in at that price, yeah, because too. their service was like, Oh, for a while it'll be at this price, and then we'll ask you if you want to jump. So it's like $13.99 for me because I jumped in on this deal, and normally it's like $34.99, and like Jeez. there's no fucking way, but I mean, no, I wouldn't do $35. That'd be crazy. That's a lot of money. I'd just start going to AMC or some shit, I guess, but I mean, take the drive. well, you could do the, the two movie deal because that's only 23 and if you watch an IMAX movie and a regular movie, it Still that pays cheaper. for itself. Yeah. No, okay. I guess if all else failed, I would just probably jump down to that one too. Because we also have our local theater does the five dollar Tuesdays. So do yeah. just one five dollar Tuesday movie and then the other two cinemias. Yeah, that's true. And yeah. so I guess what I'm looking at here is I will keep you guys up to date. I'll tell you how long that quote unquote for a while lasts. <laughs> um, all the reviews I've seen, the guys have still gone on like an entire year before getting any other kind of like, hey, if you want to continue this, so. Yeah. I still have a feeling it's going to be locked up. Yeah, year. yeah, I think it's either either a year or at least until the end of this year because it was a summer sale for this year. So I could see them uh, as a, from coming from a business standpoint saying, "Okay, at the end of the year, we're going to jump back to like our regular price." Gotcha. So I, w- I will say this though, their customer service. Oh yeah, it's fucking a man. It's pretty good. It's fucking. They're a. really quick on replying to you. Yeah. Because I, I forgot I, to check in for blind spotting, and I hit them up on Twitter, and they're like, "Oh, here you go." Yeah, uh, same. Right. <laughs> Funny enough, it was for blind spotting also, and I just hit them up last night on their Twitter, and I was like, "Hey guys, send them a picture of my stub," and they instantly responded. Unlike MoviePass, which responded uh, two months too late. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, "Uh, you leaving?" Um. So, anyways, I recommend it. It's a little harder. It's not. It's it's not as user friendly, but I feel like down the line it's going to get better and better. So. Give it a try. Yeah, I, I agree. Give it a shot. See if it's for you. Um, and if not, well, there are other two services that you can try out. Either Cinemark or the AMC Stubbs. Yeah, A-List. A-List. There we go. All right. Let's move on to our topic of the week. It's the topic of the week. All right. I thought I'd keep this topic a little close to home here and... In the spirit of 
the movie that we're about to review. So my topic this week is, what is your favorite movie that involves puppets or animatronics? Very simple to the point. And I think I'll start with Nabil here. So this pick uh, seems to come out from a little out of left field, uh, but I think it's one of the more hilarious puppet films. Is the movie still PG? No. Oh, okay. Oh. All right. Okay. Yeah. Let's see what we got. And here. it's not PG thirteen. Oh. It's, it's a hard R. <laughs> oh no, we're going to risque here. <laughs> I love this. Put your Off shirt back start. on, Bill. Put your shirt back on. <laughs> oh shit! Here we go again. God damn it. Mine is Team America: World Police. Just what does this have to do with me? Last week in Paris, we caught four terrorists with a weapon of mass destruction. We have to find out who sold it to them. Our only hope is to have somebody act like a terrorist. We need an actor. And they say you're the best. I've got five terrorists going southeast on Bakalakadaka Street. Soon every country will be in complete chaos. To save the world from falling apart. And so you see, the new world is inevitable. It's what? And that's filmed by Trey Parker and Matt Stone. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> sorry. I just got a hilarious. Any time I think about it, I laugh. Are you um, thinking of a scene from the movie, Marco? Because I am too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so I, was like, I think I I think I know which one you're thinking about. In the guise of Happy Time Murders, which we'll be reviewing soon, um, (laughs) this is puppets doing R-rated stuff. Not happy, not fun, not cute. They just—they're just acting around and like fools. Um, It's about a popular, and this is as loose as a story as you're gonna get them (laughs) on Crazy Puppets. Uh, Popular Broadway actor Gary Johnson is recruited by the elite counterterrorism organization. Team America World Police. As the world begins to crumble around him, he must battle with terrorists, celebrities, and falling in love. Holy shit. Is that really the plot? That's the plot. Wow. Have you seen it? Yeah. Okay. I'm I come, sure. I, oh, yeah. He was a fucking actor. He huh? was an actor. I haven't Holy seen it in so shit. long. I should rewatch that one. That's a good one. It's, Sam. The jokes are still funny. The, the, the plot itself is still relevant. It talks about America's vanity. It talks about our strength and presence in the world. And it, obviously, it's a satire. If, you don't, if you're not familiar with Matt Stone and Trey Parker, they uh, created South Park. Um, and so it's very much in that guise of just jokes and dirty jokes. Uh, I mean, there's, there's puppets really blowing the up the things. Yeah, there's also puppets, you know, having sex. There's, uh, they're, they're making fun of Kim Jong-il. Uh, which, you know, if, if like the four years ago, if you did that, apparently we'd get hacked. Um, yeah, we did. Which we did. Well, Sony did at least. How we got Spider-Man. And for those of you who don't know, that was the then ruler of North Korea. Yes. Uh, that's, King. uh, the father of King Jong-un. Un. So they, which I think honestly, Kim Jong-il in this film is hilarious. He's like, they, they make him a, like a, a sad, <laughs> vain little man. Um, who's very lonely, or as he was Extremely saying, lonely. lonely. Ronry, I believe. Oh. 
Um, I just remember the puke scene where he's just puking. Yes, there's, there's a scene where he just throws up. I mean, there's and, so many and, things. Uh, Matt Damon has a cameo. Yes, he does. <laughs> Matt, Matt, Matt Damon. Matt Damon. <laughs> there's a lot of good one-liners. Um, there's just a lot of running jokes in the film. Um, there's, it's just <laughs> people dying everywhere. There's The opening scene is with them coming down, stopping a terrorist group with very interesting use of a so-called beard disguise doesn't look like a normal facial hair it's bad the the best part of that is that this whole montage of they're doing this whole cosmetic surgery on the guy to (laughs) help him infiltrate a terrorist organization and then the final reveal looks like shit yes (laughs) (laughs) and and it's and that's what it is it's making fun of so many things about politics at the time it's making fun of um action films puppets in general um it's is their type of comedy, comedy though. They they make fun of everything. Yeah. Like nothing is sacred, and their their whole thing is just to never take life too serious. And if you don't take the film too seriously, I think you'll genuinely enjoy it. It's funny um, as hell. Like I need you, to rewatch it, even for like you know people who may not be a fan of South Park. This this film is still much more over the top than that, and they really are just making fun of everything. And that's part of the reason why I liked it a lot was that. It, it wasn't trying to take anything serious at all. And you knew it from the get-go. They're just like, this is just, you're going to do this and have fun. Um, it is very adult, though. Definitely not for kids, so don't be deceived by the puppets. Um, but but uh, if you're looking to, to watch it again, or as James is, re-watch it uh, from somewhere like Amazon Prime, you're not going to find it. It's not on Netflix, unfortunately. It's not, you got to buy it? Or yeah, you'll have to rent, rent it. it. You can rent it online. Um, or, or, of course, maybe order the film to buy. But definitely you can rent it online. So one I, every time I think about it, like I said, I just, it's, it makes me laugh. Um, so definitely one of the better comedy films. And for sure, I, there's a lot of great puppet films. But that one to me is always just the one that I always remember. It's I mean, it still has a lot of memorable scenes that so many people can quote. We're all laughing about it just yeah. here on this table. So, And I probably haven't seen it in like 10 years. Yeah. Same. So that's crazy. Good stuff, Nabil. Mm-hmm. Good choice. Excellent choice. Actually, slight uh, side story. They actually did like giant sets for that movie too. By they the way. did. Yeah, I remember watching the behind the scenes and like they legit were doing like puppet work. Like oh yeah, real the, puppet guys. These were there. real. Just to clarify, it was on like a, a CGI kind of you know makeshift camera trick puppetry. Like these were real uh, real puppeteers making them uh, come to life. And the way they yeah, filmed it, You can it still too, see the strings. Yeah, they intentionally... In, and they made sure they show it to you. Like, you can see the strings. You can see them moving. The There's a lot of detail given to the characters and how they look. Um, and like James said, the sets itself as well. It's, it's very well uh, kind of shot as well, the scenes that they show. Um, there's a couple scenes that they're just popping puppets together, though, just to be funny and to play with it. But... Uh, a lot of it is really well done, just how they're walking, how they do the camera angles and everything. It, they took that part of it really seriously. Yeah, they used like real practical effects, which yeah. is great, and they didn't cut corners at all. Not so, at all. yeah, good again, good stuff. See, now I'm Spike leeing myself right now and <laughs> gonna do another segue here. Well, no, because I, I I did. I'll jump right in mine. Uh, <laughs> yeah. My choice is Muppet Treasure Island. Hello, everyone. Captain Abraham Smollett is taking command. This voyage has begun. To wherever the wind may take us. Hurry, Rizzo! 
I'm going as fast as I can. But there's trouble afoot. Beware the one-legged man. <laughs> He's the one to fear. <gasps> Long John Silver. At your service. One leg, Jim. Count them one. So, um, well, I think you guys know probably. I know Nabil knows. I really like the Muppets. Yeah. Like, I think I grew up mostly on like Sesame Street too, and um, thinking Muppets were real like for the longest time. Oh no! Because once again, Muppets are the only <laughs> thing that like are super fake. But in the world of entertainment, they're treated as real things. They get interviews on the red carpet. They have their fucking star on the Walk of Fame. Um, they yeah, attended Jim Henson's funeral. All that shit, man. It's crazy. Funny story. The first time I ever met James, he came up to me and asked, "Can you tell me how to get to Sesame Street?" Oh my god. <laughs> We've been best friends ever since. And then he was like, sir, put your pants back on. <laughs> I just need to know where Sesame Street... Can you take me home, please? <laughs> He's like, I thought, I thought that's how puppets dress. Yeah. Kermit doesn't wear pants. <laughs> no, so Muppet Treasure Island came out in 1996. And I remember this movie was super heavily advertised as a kid. So I was eight years old or so, seven or eight when this came out. So this was like a big deal. I didn't see it in theaters because we didn't really go to theaters a lot. But I remember like um, McDonald's had like Happy Meal toys and I had like a lot of them. And uh, <laughs> right. leading up to it, like we bought the movie and man, I like this movie. It's basically a twist on Treasure Island with a Muppet twist. Muppet? Surprise. Surprise, surprise, everybody. It has a great like mix of music. I think it has really catchy music, actually. The standout performance in it is not actually a Muppet at all. I would say it's Tim Curry as oh, Long yeah. John Silver. Growing up, I actually, every time somebody brought up like Long John Silver, I'd always think of Tim Curry. I was like, oh, yeah, Tim Curry, because that's the only version of Treasure Island I know. Um, I forgot he was even in it. Yeah, oh, really? I just, I've never seen the movie, but I remember the trailers. What? Yeah. Wow. That's a film. Surprise. Watch. I Arguably one of the best Muppet films. Actually, to me, it's my favorite one. So yeah, and see, I like Muppets too because I watched. I grew up watching uh, the Muppet Show and yeah, Muppet Babies. Oh yeah, Muppet Babies to the max, man. <laughs> um, and even when the reboots came out, like the second one movie, not so good. The first one, really good. Yeah, Muppet Treasure Island is that, and Muppet Christmas Carol. It was almost between the two, like a tie. Yeah, because those are the two that are really well done. Brian Henson, who actually directed the Happy Time Murders. And is uh, Jim Henson's son directed um, Muppet Treasure Island? That I didn't know. Yes, that was his first uh, movie he directed, actually, with the Muppets. So it was kind of him taking over the reins because it was a few years after his father had died. So really well done. Great mix. uh, Funny. It has really good puppet work as well in this one. Just a fun movie. It's not all the Muppet movies, they're only like an hour and 20 minutes long, I think. They're not very long. Well, it probably takes a long time to shoot something like that, too. Oh, it's probably crazy, yeah. And um, a lot of love in this movie, you can tell. And like I said, Tim Curry is excellent in this movie. And um, it's sad to see him how he is nowadays because he was so full of life back then. It's just it's, it's a nice little reminder of like how, how great Tim Curry is as an actor. So Good that's stuff. my choice. Right on. Excellent choice. So we have one really raunchy one and one kind of family-oriented movie. Yeah, All right, like definitely. Good shit. Uh, what about you, Marco? What's your uh, favorite puppet slash animatronic? Uh, mine is kind of a classic one. Uh, we're going back to the year 1990. Oh. And my pick is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Excellent! Power 
I love being a turtle. This movie I saw in theaters when I was a kid. I think this is actually one of the last few movies I saw in Alameda County in Oakland. Yeah. Because by then we had memories. Yeah, down memory lane. Oaktown forever. But this is also one of the last, if not the last movie that the great Jim Henson worked on. And he helped with the puppetry and animatronics for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And you can tell. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Uh, It was directed by Steve Barron, who also did the early 90s movie Coneheads, for those of you who were fans of Saturday Night Live. Um, I didn't know this, but uh, Corey Feldman actually voiced Donatello, one of the Ninja Turtles, and Kevin Clash, who did the voice of Elmo, voiced uh, the Master Master Splinter in this, oh. which I also also didn't know. So I did not know fact. that either. Actually, but to the uninitiated, uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were a popular group in the eighties and early nineties, and the premise of the movie goes like this. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles emerge from the shadows to protect New York City from a gang known as the Foot, led by the villain Shredder. That's pretty much the gist of it. But one thing that I enjoyed about this movie is how it blended in the comics version and the cartoon version of the Ninja Turtles. Because those are two vastly different uh representations of the characters to many people they think of the early or yeah the early 90s late 80s tv show of the ninja turtles where they're shown as these surfer type guys that eat pizza and love to party all the time and enjoy kicking the butt of the foot clan but the earlier representation of them in the comics was much darker Darker, they they took their martial arts more serious it was much more violent, and the the Foot Clan and Shredder were a lot more daunting and dangerous. And the original writers of the comic book, Eastman and Laird, actually helped co-wrote, co-write the script. And you can tell because the story just is that perfect blend of seriousness and comedy. And the like I said, the animatronics... Animatronics is also really great. I thought they they look like fucking real. Yeah, they look yeah. really real. I mean, obviously, as a even as a small kid, I knew like turtles were. I mean, that'd be crazy. But Dude, they look really good. Even like today, I've seen. I saw the movie recently too, and I was like, this whole the first movie holds up. Yeah, the first movie is definitely the best one. The second one is fun. You can tell they lightened it up because of how dark their like the original was, but. They try no, to yeah, they try to lighten it. I think, yeah, too. still though, it, it it does hold up. Even like the jokes in it are still funny. You can still have fun with it and take the movie at face value, as serious as it gets, and enjoy it. It's, I remember as a kid, I was shocked because like Raphael said like "damn" or something. Yeah, right. I was like, "Whoa, what?" He said a bad word. He says it more than once. Oh, no, no, yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, yeah. twice, I think, too, even when he's on the rooftop. And I was like, this is a different Turtles. I think they even say shit and bullshit throughout the movie as well. I'm pretty sure Casey Jones does. Yeah, maybe Casey, Casey Jones. Not the Turtles. Yeah. yeah. But it's it's definitely a more kind of late teens, adult-oriented <laughs> version of the Ninja Turtles that, strangely enough, is still enjoyable to kids. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah. Solid movie. If, uh, if you like... The Ninja Turtles, if you're a fan of them, or if you like just comic book-based movies, 
I'd say give this one a shot. If you've never seen it, you can rent it on Amazon Prime Video. That's the only real place where I've seen it for rent. I don't think HBO or uh, any other streaming service has it. it. It does stream. I think it's streamed on Netflix at one point, but it's it, off now. They have the entire trilogy on there. Okay. Actually, they even had the animation movie, which is a pseudo sequel to the first oh, yeah. three. It is, so, which is good. It's yeah. not a bad movie. TMNT. But, but yeah, first one is still the best. Bar none. And actually, you know what? The Michael Bay ones aren't bad either. <laughs> <laughs> I liked them. It's debatable. I liked them. Hey, they had the Technodrome in the second That's one. That's what I mean. That I was, was like, if you want some throwbacks, those, I mean, you can go, it's better than the Transformer movies. Uh, yeah. I, oh. I'd say it really takes more from the cartoons. Yeah. And it I really mean, is like a live again, version of the cartoons. We're going off of the animatronics, but the animatronics of the first movie are absolutely amazing. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Uh, but... After that, the second and third movie, they no longer had the Jim Henson company helping them, and you can tell. Quality's different, for oh sure. Oh, my God, dude. The, the eyes. <laughs> the, the eyes are eyes, super dude. creepy. In fact, when they were on Netflix, I think they were showing them as a trilogy, and they had the Ninja Turtles 3 one on the cover. Yeah. And it's yeah. super freaky. The, it's scary as fuck. He's <laughs> bulging eyes. All right, cool. Those are some uh, pretty solid uh, movies uh, that have puppets or animatronics. Give those a look. We had... Um, Nice little slew of them all. We had the um, Ninja Turtles, we had Muppet Treasure Island, and then we had Team America. So kind of a mix of different genres in a way. One's a well, family action and then raunchy comedy. Good job, Nabil. <laughs> <laughs> Way to fucking keep it PC, man. Right. Yeah. Okay, guys, let's move on now to our review of The Happy Time Murders. 50 cents, I'll suck your dick. <laughs> Well, it's a great price. It almost makes me wish I had a dick for you to suck. Or take that as a yes. You two are the most decorated offices in this department. What do you see? Looks like a robbery gone wrong to me. This wasn't a robbery. This was a hit. What the? Someone out there <gasps> is killing puppets. Hey, handsome. You looking for some rotten cotton? I'm a woman. That's okay. Yeah, that's even better. Got a good time for you. <laughs> We're gonna catch the bastards who did these murders. Because bodies are gonna start piling up. You're one of the best damn cops I've ever seen. Oh, I'll have your badge for this. I'm in the fucking FBI. Oh yeah, what's that stand for? Fucking big idiot? Alright, so the IMDB description of the Happy Time murders is when the puppet cast of an 80s children's TV show begin to get murdered one by one, a disgraced LAPD detective turned private eye, puppet takes on the case. This is directed by Brian Henson, who did The Muppet Christmas Carol in 1992 and Muppet Treasure Island in 1996. It stars Melissa McCarthy as Detective Connie Edwards, Bill Beretta as Phil, Elizabeth Banks as Jenny, Maya Rudolph as Bubbles, Leslie David Baker as Lieutenant Banning, and Joel McHale as Agent Campbell. So, just a quick little yay or nay here, guys, if you liked it or not. All right, Nabil, so what did you think about the movie? I thought it was really funny. Uh, Very dark, and at the same time, very film noirish, which which is what they were trying to which do, is of course. Detective, yeah. Uh, I thought it's very creative and how they approached the whole thing because they could have just gone with the whole raunchy, we're gonna make this really dirty and everything, but that really wasn't what their aim was. They they kind of did, I mean uh, I mean kinda... uh, jokes wise a little bit, but I think that really the way they used the puppets, the way they were showing them off, they they really integrated them with the world. Um, Especially, and, I think, after when you see that, like, kind of the 
behind the scenes and you're like oh wow it's actually really creative how like i know it's some stupid kind of like um some scenes where it wouldn't make a lot of sense or it's something kind of silly with like a sex scene but yeah the fact that they pulled it off and it actually comes off as super funny it's like oh man they they put a lot of thought into this this wasn't just like some half-assed job like hey exactly. let's use yeah, it yeah. Like, cr- like crank kickers i kept thinking it was gonna be like that that's right? what yeah. i was expecting it to be they really yeah. they only use the cgi for really background or aesthetics they they never use it for the actual puppets which i thought was really which great. was cool it's a right. lot of practical um as much as they could because there was there were some scenes where i thought oh is that cgi and then i was like no it's actually it's just the background the cgi which yeah. is what threw me off <laughs> it's always <laughs> funny when you see him walking and it's like he's technically walking yeah <laughs> it's just two like, dudes and okay, two dudes it. in a green screen like full body suit like yeah. giving it they're all like here you go here he's walking mm-hmm. yeah. yeah but i thought it was great hilarious uh what about you marco i agree with you bill i liked it too and thought it was hilarious it's surprisingly funny because i, I kind of went in with low expectations because i thought it was going to be a little outrageous especially because it's getting trashed on rotten tomatoes yeah I, it's getting trashed there and i, I saw an article that just in the title alone, Bash the Movie. I didn't even bother to read it because I didn't want to hear or, or read or see any spoilers. But I like the real-life application of Muppets in the real world. And it, it it was a nice little nod to the old Jim Henson stuff when they would do that. Like yeah. when in yeah. Sesame Street, when they would go off to a real neighborhood, quote-unquote. I was thinking the same thing. And they would interact with real people. But this was more to like our... Like us growing up, it was. I think it was catered to kids and people who grew up with these Muppets. And it's like, well, now these Muppets are grown up. They're gonna do grown up shit. And I appreciated that. I thought it was funny. In some parts, I was like, all right, it's a little too much. But for the most part, it worked for me. And I did like that the the noir vibe to it. That was really awesome. It. I think it helped the story move along too. And it's something I'd never seen done in a Muppet movie. I've I've seen it done before, like. In, uh, on the Muppet Show or on Sesame Street, where they do a little skit, but nothing... it even it even kind of reminded me of like um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, yeah, sort of, yeah, exactly. Except with except instead of cartoons, you got Muppets, Muppets. yeah, it, it, that and uh, strangely enough, um, Dragnet. I know, I, I no, know it is, yeah. it's very much like Dragnet, yeah. So um, I, yeah, I can recommend it to people who are fans of uh, puppetry and Muppets. So I liked it. What yeah, about you, James? I mean, the movie's tanking right now, so we're in the minority probably of people that like this film. But I think all three of us, if I think it's safe to say that we all went in with pretty low expectations. All right. And um, I, I think five minutes into the movie, I was like laughing slash crying. And I was like, okay, I think I might like this now. <laughs> and then I know Nabil's wife was just... Oh, she was cr- dying. She heard the first thing, and I looked over and I said, she's having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, they, they do a good job at catching you off guard at first we're just throwing something yeah yeah, like something raunchy or something really fucked up just when you're least expecting it i was like oh okay all right and there's there's a lot to this movie i think too that's happening there's like there's a lot of little jokes that happen for instance i think even right off the bat where he's telling the guy that you don't have to do that anymore the dancing and that's like a reference to actual muppets yeah what all they ever use for dancing and and like entertaining quote Mm -hmm. unquote and it's funny because if you didn't know that, you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? But you have to think of it like this is a Muppet slash pu- uh, Puppet's view of life. Yeah. <laughs> that, he's like, this is like my sole purpose is to entertain. And it's like they're in an alternate reality where puppets are uh, 
real, I guess, technically. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you don't have to do that anymore. It's almost like, what happened before? Was there like a great freedom mm-hmm. of them, like breaking free from the puppet kind of reign? Or like slavery kind of thing? Yeah, it's almost yeah. implied. So even just a, that, there's a lot of social first... commentary too. They're, yeah. they're treated like second class citizens. Right. Like there's 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 puppet theaters, there's puppet places to to go hang in, and they're, whenever they're with, like with humans, it's puppet always hospitals. Frowned upon. Yeah. yeah, it's always trying to stupid too. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I liked it. I think this is the third funniest film I've seen all year. With uh, we have our hits of Game Night and um, Cock Blockers, so this would be like my third favorite one. I'd say yeah, I think it's in there. As yeah. we said, I'm still sticking to it. 2018 revival of the comedy. Yeah. So hey, I'm going with it once yeah, again. I, I really enjoyed the film. Diversity and, you know, comedy I, this year. I love yeah, all three, slightly pretty different films. Mm-hmm. All three rated R by the way. I liked it though. I thought it was funny. I do love Muppets, so it was like Marco's saying. It's kind of cool because they've. I've grown up with them, and now they've shown me a dark R-rated side, so that probably quenches Nabil's thirst for raunchy comedies. <laughs> See, and, and it's weird that it's getting bashed because you still have a lot of like Muppet jokes, Muppet memes. You got like the Kermit meme going around, the dark Kermit, and you think that people would kind of like enjoy this kind of messed up humor, but I, I guess it's not to their taste. I wonder. I mean, I haven't. I, truthfully, I haven't read a single review on this because I didn't want it to throw me off. Same. I have yet to. <laughs> I should probably I have yet see to what read one of those. There's been some mixed reviews, and most people. Yeah, it's that predictable. Watched, yeah, a lot of it's like the story is predictable, but uh, the and the jokes are funny, but they, you know a bit raunchy. But um, a lot of the reviews that I read were was talking about the social commentary in the film and like Brian Henson really trying to show that Muppets can be used for more things than just you know the Muppets, and that's kind of the point is that they were trying to say, but. Most of it had agreed that they just thought the story was a bit weak for. Um, I mean, this. yeah, the story is not the greatest, and it's super obvious. Who watching a movie about talking Muppets? Right. I, this isn't going to be fucking Shakespeare here. And you know what? Right? Once again, Melissa McCarthy was hilarious in this movie. Oh yeah, thought she was great, especially once she showed up on screen. It took her about like fifteen minutes to get on screen or twenty minutes, but once yeah. she was on screen, I thought it added so much more to it. Yeah, yeah. she was hilarious. Her sugar addiction had me <laughs> so dying. Funny. She and was she was on point. That's and another subtle like reference throughout the movie. Yeah. Yep. Like she technically has a drug addiction this <laughs> yeah. entire time. Just downing bottles of syrup. Maybe yeah. dude, she's like sipping it at the poker table. Yep. And if you don't even notice that, you're like, wait a minute, she's she's sipping a bottle of maple syrup. I mean, that's like their drug of choice for puppets, I guess. And it's a nice, like, slow reveal throughout the movie, and you figure out why. And then they blow it up as soon as they go to the apartment, open up the fridge, and there's fucking (laughs) maple syrup everywhere. She's there. Place looks like a fucking coke head. Fucking lives there. (laughs) Or, I guess, a sugar head, but... um, Just a little thing. It's it's silly. It's a movie, like, don't take it too serious, obviously. Once again, like Marco said, it's a movie about talking puppets. Yeah. Interacting with humans who, like... It's implied they have had sex and shit too together. So yeah, and it's, say I've seen the trailer. I've seen like the red band trailer at that, and I don't. The movie is, you, you get what you see in the trailer. There's there's no yeah. there's nothing hidden about it, and going into it like that helped me enjoy the movie even more. So I don't know what trailer people are I'll watching. Give the, I'll give this one a the trailer high five though. It definitely doesn't reveal all the movie or the plot. It doesn't even I no. don't does it even tell you about what the plot is? No. No, no not really. Couple, like, I just, had no idea it was about like a people from a TV show getting killed. Yeah. I don't know either. I just know that I thought the, the place was, was called Happy Time. <laughs> that's what I thought too. 
Yeah. I, I just knew that the main guy, uh, Bill Pareto, was hired to solve a mystery, and that was about it. Yeah. But the movie also does a good job at subverting expectations or certain expectations, which uh, which caught me by surprise as well. So there were certain times where you, you think there's going to be a certain twist, and that twist didn't happen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, it's, it's, it's still spoilers. predictable. Yeah. Uh, it's predictable, but it's... It, you know, fun fact too is like every single Muppet in this one is like a veteran uh, Muppet from like the Sesame Street oh, wow. or this like uh, Bill Beretta plus Phil, and he's like Pepe the Shrimp. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So and the fact that they agreed to do this and had fun with it—it's technically an offshoot of the Muppet Company, Brian yeah. Henson's company for this. So Henson, it's, I think his company is called Henson, uh, Henson Alternative. Yeah. So it's it's an official. "Quote unquote official Muppet film that they would never, they're never going to show because right, Disney owns the rights to. So it's kind of crazy that they even were able to make this. This has been in like development for over seven years though. And it, it uh, Disney had actually filed a suit against it um, to prevent them from being able to actually shoot uh, to show the film, um, and they lost the suit because there was really no, they don't own pro- any proprietary information on using puppets." Yeah. Um, so that was a weird lawsuit. Yeah. Well, they, they didn't they want to they sully actually their never image. called like Muppets. So yeah. they didn't want to sully the image of the Muppets. And they didn't like the fact that in their, um, it's the Sesame street that sued them. Yeah. So it's like, they said like, uh, less street more. I mean, less Sesame that was a more joke. street yeah, or something that like that. Was, that was, a yeah. Joke. And like future, uh, Trailers is funny because it's like from the company that got sued by the Sesame street and then they show the thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh shit. So, but I, truthfully, I think that thing was fake. I think they only did like a fake lawsuit against them to get more popularity from the movie. Really? That makes sense. It didn't work, obviously, but (laughs) it it bombed, guys. (laughs) Yeah. But hey, we're telling you to check it out. So maybe after this podcast comes out, check it out. Um, What were you guys' best and worst parts, Marco? Uh, Best part would have to, it has to be the flashback scene. I'll, I'll, Probably oh, same about okay. I'll say it in the spoilers, but the flashback scene had me fucking rolling. I get, and it was fucked up why. And if you stick around for the spoilers, you, you get to know how my messed up brain works. But that was hands down my favorite part. Uh, worst parts? Um, I don't know. When they were doing, I guess when they were investigating and interviewing the other Muppets, I don't know. I just, it kind of slowed down for me right there. It does slow down. So that point, that's yeah. probably like, Really, my my only gripe with the movie is it like right there in, in the middle it starts to slow down. Yeah, what yeah. about you, Manibo? Uh The murders were the best part for me, <laughs> and that's a terrible <laughs> thing to say. But there's every murder is today. hilarious. You're scaring me, Nabil. Every time they showed a a happy time uh, member, and he, you kind of you didn't know if something was going to happen or not, and if it did, you were just and each death was different. Yeah, it was different. It's just spectacular. They found a different way to kill kill them. It's <laughs> hilarious. Um, the 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 plot twist at the end That's was the worst part for me. Was too. the worst part for me? I think it, it's because you already knew it from the beginning. Yeah, like you kind of already got that figured out pretty quick. But I think that was as and again, this, the plot is pretty thin as it is. So I guess you shouldn't be surprised. But that twist was pretty weak. Mm, kinda, <laughs> <laughs> kinda, because there's a funny way that twist is revealed. Yeah, oh, I'll enough. tell you. I'll tell you. It's I, I'm gonna say it, my favorite part is where Joe McHale, Joe McHale's character, Agent Campbell, tells a certain person like the French. <laughs> <laughs> 
I was like, my God, they, that, really, they that, really just showed that. Uh, that actually has to do kind of with the twist, too. <laughs> yeah. Overall, though, I, I liked kind of the interactions with Phil and uh, Detective Edwards, played by M- Melissa McCarthy. I thought they were hilarious because they actually have pretty good chemistry, which is funny. They do. Uh, because it's a puppet and a human being. But if they can do it in Roger Rabbit for animation and, a, you know, Mario. <laughs> yeah, they can do it too, right? Um, worst part, like, I agree with Nabil. It's probably the end. Yeah. Kind of ends a little flat. I mean, yeah, I wasn't expecting much more from it, but it works for the most part. I but mean, it, it's it a predictable. Yeah. It's predictable. So let's move into spoilers, guys, just to jump into it. Um, if you don't want to hear about them. Uh, skip ahead. Stop listening our, to on us. On our time stamp here to see the uh, outro. All right, so quick question, guys. Was it too predictable, this movie? With the reveal of uh, the Muppet from the beginning, or Puppet, Puppet, Muppet, uh, was actually linked with Jenny Elizabeth Banks, and they were doing the murders. No, so I, when, when I say it's disappointing, I say it because it seemed like they probably could have done more with even just some of the characters on Halftime Murder. Stretch it a little more, right? Yeah, exactly. They could stretch that out. But honestly, it isn't like... that. That was the most predictable part, right? It was a twist, but... The, everything else that happened, I really didn't know where they were going to go with it. So I thought I didn't think it was too predictable. But see, the the twist and the reveal was that it was the the daughter of the murder <laughs> <laughs> of the, the murdered bit. father. Marco <laughs> really likes he, this he scene. Was <laughs> All right, so my favorite scene has to do when Bill Beretta is flashing back to when he was a rookie cop who plays Bert, Phil, by the way. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, Phil. Sorry, I keep calling him by his real name, not yeah. his uh, which is not his puppet name. name. But Phil is is flashing back to when he was a rookie cop, first puppet cop, and which is kind of hilarious. Yeah. He uh, he's trying to save his partner who's being held hostage by another puppet. Phil is aiming with his gun, shoots, he misses, the bullet ricochets off a pillar, and it <laughs> <laughs> and it kills an innocent dad with his daughter. But the way it's shot is so fucking hilarious. I know that sounds really messed up, but you gotta watch yeah. it. Just... <laughs> it's so it random. Just, it just that, yeah, it's not what you expect weird. at all. It's like, oh my god. It's like, oh, oh shit, that's a bystander. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck's he doing over there? <laughs> he just falls flat on the ground. <laughs> yeah, he's dead, Marco. <laughs> Sorry. You guys are sick. <laughs> and then, uh, Another part that I really enjoyed that uh, when Nabil mentioned the murders is when the first guy dies, he's the owner of the Muppet sex shop, and, uh, <laughs> and so he he pulls the gun out on the freaking assailant, and then you just see a blast comes out of come out of the shotgun and blow his fucking head off. <laughs> and remind you, they're puppets, so it's just stuffing everywhere. <laughs> At first, I for you know you forget that, and then when it happens, it's kind of like, oh yeah, they're puppets. Yeah. Never mind, it's not that bad. <laughs> Just so, so anyway, full circle. It turns out that that little girl is the one who's murdering everybody. Yeah. The 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 puppet girl. But see. We didn't. We all didn't figure out that it was her. We all assumed that it was just going to be um, Jenny, right? Yeah, right. it was going to be Jenny Elizabeth Banks. That because that's why I thought I was it was like, going to be. It's a bigger person. There's mm-hmm. only yeah. one human on this fucking show, yeah. right? Basically, that was good. I mean, I thought, it, like you said, it, it could have been stretched out more. Um, could they have done this without puppets? Would this have worked as like a like a, a Roger Rabbit kind of movie or a CG movie instead? Uh, obviously, we've already seen it done with humans because it's. Sort of based on any kind yeah. of film noir yeah. film you've ever seen ever. So 
Well, j- just like just like Team America, I mean, like you'd need the you'd, only way this could be done is with puppets. Yeah, like to be able for to, this to, comedy for this type. kind of comedy yes. for it to be funny and also not as insulting and and um, but be able to feel that I can laugh with this and not feel bad about yeah. it. You know, it's, it's like, the puppetry that adds to the comedy because at some point in our lives we always wanted to see puppets do this messed up crazy. stuff. Yeah. Well, I, I some, of know, some of it, maybe some. Well, of it. So, some of it, not all of it. Maybe not the freaking five minute sex scene that we saw with like <laughs> fake semen being shot everywhere. I didn't want to see that, but oh, okay. And then maybe the <laughs> maybe James's favorite scene. <laughs> The I mean, he realizes it's the chick because when she's in interrogation, she, the girl's going full commando. She basically yeah. instincts him. Yeah. yeah. And her color of the, I mean, you know, the carpets match the drape, basically. So. Yeah. The real drapes, not like the, the not the fake drapes, because she dyes her hair. Like yes. the French. Like the yeah. French. <laughs> Joe McHale was correct. <laughs> like the French. Jesus. I was dying. I can't believe they showed that. Too. I can't believe they showed that. But after three times. most of that movie... Yeah, um, I was like, okay, I get it. They showed it three times. Wow. Jesus. Wow. Okay. I didn't count. I didn't know. Do you guys think this is like a puppet classic, like per se Christmas Carol or the Muppet movie? Um, or is this kind of like a one-off thing? Did you want to see kind of more adult-oriented stuff? I know it's tanking, so highly likely it's going to be a couple years till we see something. Or, or maybe Netflix will release one because, you know, they love crappy movies. <laughs> I mean, maybe. It could be like a show or something like that. Yeah, I think that it's something that is appreciated more if you watch it over again. Um, I don't know if it'll be considered like a maybe a cult classic or something, but I think more of these films, it could be done better and, and more efficient, maybe more precise with the yeah. story. But I do feel that I need to watch this again. Um, I actually, yes, I wouldn't mind seeing more jokes that I may have missed or overlooked because I was laughing at something else. Same, I would definitely watch it again. I, and I also agree with the bill that I don't think it'll be considered a cult classic or anything. It's probably gonna be one off shot, and maybe somewhere down the line we'll probably see like a direct to stream or you know, I don't mind it. Uh, to, to, or, I think, or maybe even like a, a short one off series. I would, but I personally wouldn't mind seeing more of this. Type I, of I think it worked. I think it was effective. I, uh, the comedy was. It's dark and it's uh, adult orientated, so it's it it worked for me. So overall, I really enjoyed the movie. Yeah. If you like comedies, I'd say ignore the Rotten Tomatoes score on this one, and I think you will actually enjoy it. Especially if you like the Muppets or anything Muppet related. I know that's kind of a quote unquote kitty yeah, thing. I mean, if you don't take things too serious, you'll enjoy this. Yeah. It's, it's like it's who hasn't fun. seen who didn't grow up on like Sesame Street. Or, or the like the Muppets. I mean, it, our age range is probably who this movie was actually aiming for. Yeah. Anywhere from like late 20s, early 30s. So I don't know. Maybe it just worked for us. But uh, overall, I think I, you know, I liked it. Any other closing thoughts on it? Uh, no, I think I agree with everything you just said right there. Anybody who grew up with Muppets or puppetry or ever wondered what a rated R Muppet movie would look like, I mean, this is for you. So, yeah. you know, give it a shot at, at, at at best, you know, catch a matinee at worst, you know, wait for it to stream. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you're going to take it from anybody, take it from my wife, who was a big skeptic of the film and didn't really <laughs> expect much out of it. The first opening dialogue of, of Detective Phil speaking, she literally started laughing out loud and did not <laughs> stop until the end of the film. So you might be pleasantly surprised at how much you enjoy the film. 
Awesome. So that is our end of our review of the Happy Time Murders and the end of the podcast. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you for all the feedback and response and reviews. Uh, that was episode 30. So we've done 30 of these now. Wow. It's pretty crazy, actually. So. We've reached our dirty 30, guys. Yeah. So <laughs> it's only, it's only going to get better from here. Uh, Marco, how, how can they reach us? Check us out on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash moviepalspod, or tweet at us at moviepalspod. Give us a recommendation. Leave us your feedback. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. Uh, you can always leave us a review on Facebook as well. and Let us know anything you'd like to see more, anything you'd like to see less. Uh, but most of all, like, give get us some... rid of Marco. Yeah, please <laughs> keep that guy from fucking talking. And for fuck's sake, control his laughter. <laughs> And then he laughs on cue. <laughs> <laughs> but most of all, recommend a movie or TV show to us. Whether we like it or not, we'll check it out and we'll review it. We literally will never shoot you guys down. Never. No. I have a list of movies people have recommended us, and I guarantee you, one day you'll probably hear us talk. I actually have a new one that we recommend and watch, but I can we'll only see. imagine. Looks like some long nights for Nabil. Okay, guys, so tune in next time to episode 31, where we will be reviewing, which we haven't done in a while, by the way, Mm -hmm. a horror film, The Nun. All right, guys, until next time, this is James. And Marco. And Nabil. Have a good one. Mm